Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. You're listening to a podcast of Checkpoint on Joy 94.9. You are here on Checkpoint on Joy, broadcasting nationwide on the Community Radio Network. We're giving a one-up to diversity in video games. My name is Luke. I'm here with Lisa. Hello. I'm here with Colby. Hey. And we have a special guest joining us today. All the way from Samurai Punk, uh, really cool development studio, uh, right here in Melbourne, it's Nick McDonnell, Managing hey, Director. Hey. How are you doing? So good, and so great to have you in here. I know it was a, a massive couple of weeks with Melbourne International Games Week, the Australian Game Developer Awards, GCAT packs, like all the things happened. But um, here we are today, and I guess um, I wanted to start off, you know, we are going to be talking about packs and Games Week and what we what we saw, what we enjoyed, what we loved, but... um. Nick, we'd love to start with just a bit about yourself. Um, I guess, you know, your role at Samurai Punk, a bit about Samurai Punk in general, just to give the lay of the land. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my role at Samurai Punk is pretty weird. Uh, I think you introduced me before as managing director. Yes. But um, honestly, I'm one of the co-founders. Yep. Uh, and my main role is a designer. Uh, and then I do a, basically a bit of everything else. Uh, on Justice Sucks, I ended up doing a bunch of programming. I do technical art. I do legal i do uh business development for the company um good we're a small team and you got to wear a lot of hats as an indie i'm gonna say that that's, we've heard that before right like yeah, yeah. you know when you're a small studio like you're not just one role you are exactly you know i've played so many indie games from australia and around the world and the credits it's like see the same name like 20 times yeah totally in different things <laughs> um, and then yeah samurai punk uh like i said i co-founded it with winston back in 2014 so we've been around for a little bit now we're gonna turn nine next year which is pretty exciting cool congrats um and if you don't know us we've made a bunch of games uh screen sheet the american dream feather and now uh, justice sucks yeah um all all very different games very as well games. i will say um i think screen sheet um is one that our listeners might know that was one where it was tapping into that old school fps thing where back in the day you would cheat by looking at your opponent's screens when it was split screen to see where they were and screen sheet just basically made that the gameplay mechanic where yep. you're invisible so uh, everyone's invisible, so you have to look at their screen to see where they are and what they're doing, right? Yeah, that's, that's how the whole game started at the Game Jam. That was the entire pitch. Um, we were like, okay, we'll make a shooter. And then we finished the prototype, and from there, it just became its own thing. Yeah. But, I mean, um, I mean, the big game uh, just came out. Uh, yep. Justice Sucks. Um, <laughs> super cool. Uh, I remember seeing uh, versions of this game at PAX many years ago. Basically, you're playing as um, one of those little, like, Roomba vacuum cleaner things, robots. Yeah, we like to call them robot vacuum cleaners, actually. Yes, um, that makes sense. A little bit of tension with the Roomba name. Yep, okay. Yep. Well, noted. <laughs> um, especially when this one... Uh, has a bit more capability than what a robot vacuum normally would, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, not all robot vacuum cleaners are known for murdering people. Yes. 
but this one is. Yes, he is. Dusty, right? Dusty McLean. Yes. <laughs> Dusty McLean. So, I mean, tell us about, so what is Justice Sucks? Like, when you're playing this game, yes, you're a murdering mm-hmm. robot vacuum cleaner, but yeah. what does that really look like in terms of gameplay? So, uh, it is a stealth action game, uh, and Dusty is on a quest for vengeance to save his family. Uh, and he travels through like a ni- neo nineties uh, TV world. It's a very complicated. Uh, it's very very complicated story. Uh, but uh, basically, the, the core action is Dusty's. Uh, he's sucking and shooting objects around him. He's hacking technology in the house to to kill people, and he's hiding under things because he's a robot vacuum cleaner. They're very small, so he's able to hide easily. Uh, and then he's summoning his fighting spirit, Sexy McLean, to unleash powerful blood moves. Uh, so if that doesn't make sense initially, it's because it doesn't. Uh, it's, a, it's like most Samurai Punk games; it's not really like something else. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a stealth action game. So you're hiding, uh, sucking up people's blood, charging up your abilities, and then trying to take people out in various different sort of missions and objectives. Absolutely, and I mean it, it is such a a silly but kind of premise when I first heard it, where I was like, "How has this not been done before?" Like I just feel like robot vacuum cleaners murdering. That I don't know. That just sounds like a really cool idea. How did that come about? How did you come up with the idea for Justice Sucks? So it's uh, Justice Sucks is the sequel to or spiritual sequel to Rumbo First Blood, which was the first game we made uh, in the in the series, uh, and that was based on an incident our my co-founder Winston had. Oh God. Like, he was actually uh, I was going to say was it influenced by an actual <laughs> like event that happened at yeah, like, so your house one day? Rumbo First Blood was it's just set in the family home, the McLean home, and they uh, it's it, the house is being burgled and Dusty at the time Rumbo was uh, protecting the house, so it was influenced by Winston was actually burgled and he had oh. a robot vacuum cleaner. I believe the name was Jeff. Uh, I don't know what brand it was. Not probably not important. And it was. <laughs> Uh, and he was thinking, oh, wouldn't it have been great if my robot vacuum cleaner had <laughs> protected my laptop uh, that got stolen? So uh, years later, we pitched it to Humble, uh, and we did a little six-week project with them. Uh, that became Roomba First Blood, and then the year after that, we sort of said, oh, well, you know, it was people really liked it, but it was really small, so how about we take it on and do a real, like a real game version of this. Yeah, right. So then how does Justice Sucks take that idea and go further with it? Like how mm. how broad does this game kind of go? Well, yeah, it, um, we, we decided to basically like really live up that like robot vacuum feeling fantasy. There's a lot of memes of robot vacuum cleaners with things on them. So like cats or knives or guns mm. or chainsaws or claymores. Um, so that was one of the core things we wanted to do was get in all those, get those in and make them part of the core system. So Dusty can equip items and use them to kill people. Um He's also sort of part of that smart home ecosystem, so kind of create as many, like, weird technology jokes where Dusty's able to hack things. Um, And he's kind of like the family dog. Uh, So he is uh, part of the McLean family, hence the name. And when they get captured and taken by his owner's family corp, the people who made Dusty, he has to go and save them. Uh, Yeah, we really wanted to deliver on that fantasy and uh, take the game beyond the, the first game, which was just one level. Awesome. And I mean, as we said uh, sort of earlier in the show, um, nominated for multiple awards at the yes. Australian Game Developer Awards. So again, congratulations. Thank you. Um, so yeah, excellence in gameplay, uh, you know, which is really cool. I think um, I've played Justice Sucks and like it is just, it's purely silly great fun. Like it really just, it feels good to play though. Like it's a smooth experience. Um, I love like being able to think of creative ways to 
to attack the foes <laughs> that come after you and, and using your surroundings kind of cleverly to really take advantage of things, which is really fun. But um, you're also nominated for um, excellence in sound design as well. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us a bit about that and I guess about, um, you know, why Justice Sucks was nominated in that category? I think, uh, unlike many teams in Australia or many game developers, even larger ones, we have a full-time sound designer and composer in-house. Right. Um, so Mitchell Pasmans, who's been working with us since Feather, so he did Feather, he did Screenshot Unplugged, uh, and he did the first Rumbo First Blood, and now Justice Sucks with us. Um, and since then, every project we've worked on, sound has been such a big component of the game, um, and making sure that both he's integrated with the tech team, so that the, the like sound, uh, the way it's triggered, and you know all the game events, they're all set up nicely. And then he's able to sort of have free reign to make this project sound just as good as it can. So like. Uh, we we really try to treat sound and music like a first class part of the game, unlike some developers do, I guess. Yep. Yeah. And what's been the reception for Justice Sucks since it launched? Uh, wild. I mean, it's our best reviewing game ever. Um, we <laughs> we have sort of a joke that we make sevens, but uh, Justice Sucks has gotten like an average of an eight on Metacritic. Nice. And um, on top of that, people have just the weirdest reaction to Sexy McLean, uh, the 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 very large spiritual uh, fit man who appears out of you, and. On top Wait, of- hang on. So we need to unpack this a little okay. bit. So what is, what is, what what is, is Sexy, Sexy McLean? Sexy McLean <laughs> is uh, the fighting spirit of Dusty McLean. Right. And he's a very vascular robot vacuum cleaner man. Okay. Who punches people. <laughs> Fantastic. So what? There's been a lot of like what fan fiction about there's Sexy a, McLean. Been a little, like- little fan art. A little. Uh, a little. People are just uh, very surprised and in love. I mean, it's it's a very very clear JoJo reference, um, and people really enjoy that. And just the People love Dusty, you know? We, we tried yeah. to make him... In the first game, Rumbo, um, who became who is canonically Dusty, um, he didn't have a lot of personality in life, so that was one of the things I really wanted to do was really, like, drill in his um, his sound effects and his animations. And it's a robot vacuum cleaner. It's a little disc, basically. Yeah. But we tried to really make it so that you would sort of fall in love with him. Yeah, and that definitely is the case from what I've seen. That's super cute. Um, but also, I mean, Justice Sucks, it did release uh, at a, I guess at an unlucky time mm, in a way yes. um, so it's launch day was the day that Queen Elizabeth passed away right yes we launched two hours before she died oh uh, so um, I it mean it may have been our fault <laughs> yeah, you might have thought Dusty was involved yeah, in maybe. some way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you just you can't, regardless of what you do with game release dates, you just cannot account no, for that, that release real was, world events. <laughs> it was locked in a month before we, uh, before the Queen was even known to be that ill. Yeah. So there was nothing we could have done. Of course. Uh, <laughs> it's just a really unfortunate way that things go. I mean, you know, we launched American Dream uh, and that game was, it's, the game is set around gun violence and guns in America. So it was always going to have a bad release date, and it did. Yep. So, like, it's just it's just what happens, you know? Yeah, for sure. Did that cause any sort of impact? Like, I mean, obviously, there was so much sensitivity around people talking about things mm. on social media the day that she passed and stuff like that. So did that kind of, I guess, put your team in a bit of a, okay, how do we deal with this? Well, um, yeah, so we were working with our publisher, uh, Tiny Build, and we were just basically unsure if the reception around the game was kind of, because it was a pretty quiet launch, and we just couldn't tell what was going on. I don't think we can point fingers at anyone it's just like i think everyone was kind of sensitive and not talking about much that day besides ooh, making jokes about the queen dying which was funny um so <laughs> there wasn't really um there wasn't really much we could get out of it besides uh we we sort of uh focus on okay a couple of days after let's sort of push try to get some coverage yeah and did you see the uptick um as it went on as well, well yeah we had more uptick the week of or the yep. week after than we did the week of launch so um, a lot of our reviews came in like quite late um and then 
you know, we're still getting, seeing reviews and stuff coming in now. So it's just, um, just bad timing, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And look, I think, you know, obviously the dust has now started to settle after PAX and after Games yep. Week as well. Um, I saw a lot of people always crowded around the Samurai Punk booth, like checking out Justice Sucks and, and buying pins and t-shirts, us included. Yep. So like, I'm sure um, just having it there in that space as well um, would definitely give it another boost. Hopefully. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. <laughs> yeah, it's great to see people play it in person for the first time in years yeah yeah so we, de- good. we started that development just before covid hit so. right yeah, yeah so yeah we're one of the first times to really see people's faces while they play properly kind of thing yeah yeah this uh, running play tests over discord just doesn't really compare <laughs> yep that is fair uh we're going to talk more about packs and samurai punk in general right here on checkpoint on joy broadcasting nationwide on the community radio network Never miss another huge gaming headline or important review. Head to CheckpointGaming.net to get your daily dose of gaming articles written by the Checkpoint crew. We'll see you over at CheckpointGaming.net. Yes, lots of cool stuff on CheckpointGaming.net, including lots of really great features from PAX. We're doing highlights on a lot of the great games that we saw as part of PAX 2022 in Australia. So head there, CheckpointGaming.net, and check it out. You are here on Checkpoint on Joy with Luke, Lisa, Colby, special guest Nick from Samurai Punk. And um, yeah, Samurai Punk in general, Nick, it's kind of evolved beyond Mm. just making video games. Um, You're basically an apparel brand as well. Was that was that always the plan, or no. or did that? Just, how did this happen? Because no. it's not a natural connection, is it? When I started the company with Winston in 2014, uh, we were just out of uni. Like there was there was no plan initially. Yep. Um, what it became was a, uh, a tactical strategy into amortize costs of booth. So we did a lot of events. Uh, we used to do all the marketing for Samurai for Screensheet, our first game. We would do paxes in America and Australia, and it's quite expensive to do a lot of shows. Um, booths aren't cheap. So we were looking at ways to say like, oh, well, what can we give people that's pretty good? That's something they can take away that isn't uh, a rubbish product and um, lets us bring the cost of a booth down. So that was the initial strategy. And then after that, it was just like, oh, how can we make like a fashion, like a, well, not even fashion, but like apparel that people can wear that is of a higher quality than most gaming related products. Like, I mean, you see a lot of logo tees and stuff out there. So we would try to, we would always try to like work with designers and artists that would produce like really varied and interesting stuff that would appeal to different types of people. Uh, and we really always wanted to make sure it was just like really neat. Uh, but how it became part of the company is just, it's just a coincidence and it's grown into its own beast. We have dedicated staff that just work on that part of the business now. Wow. Yeah. Cool. And what, what is the, what would you say for those who haven't seen your stuff before? Like what is the samurai punk aesthetic? Like what, um, what do you expect from a samurai punk t-shirt or hoodie or whatever else yeah so we've we've moved into sort of more broad fashion and apparel um and the so we don't just do shirts anymore which is nice we do like sweaters and socks and hats so we have uh bucket hats now as well nice. um the recent stuff has trended because uh, the, the aesthetics have sort of improved and changed over time uh we're doing sort of like uh anime inspired streetwear and soft like uh soft core sonic stuff so lots of pastels at the moment um lots of japanese stuff and then um the recent launch, uh, Eat Your Fruit, is really cute. Um, I guess, like, there is actually cute stuff now as well, which is great. Uh, we got these gorgeous little pieces with, like, um, a local designer did all these different fruits. And then it says, like, Eat Your Fruit in Japanese. And it's just, like, really, it's very classy. Yeah. Nice. So cool. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, uh, for those playing at home, where can people find Samurai Punk 
stuff if they want to check it out. Yeah, I mean, samuraipunk.com for our, for the games and samuraipunk.store for the apparel. That's yeah, it. Yeah, sweet. So good. And um, look, let's go back to the games because um, uh, obviously we said it earlier, but you um, really as a studio have made a really diverse mix of titles. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, you know, you see studios um, and developers who focus on one genre and they'll, like, they'll do iterations of it, but it's always within the same kind of genre and same space. Yeah. But Samurai Punk, I can't really say, like, you do this one genre. Like, it's really every game is so, so different. Um, we talked, obviously, about Justice Sucks and how that works. We talked about Screen Cheat as well, which is kind of like this take spin on a first-person shooter. Um, then you've got the American Dream, which, I mean, it was VR. I yeah. mean, you've just, like, randomly made this <laughs> VR game as well, um, which is this kind of political commentary on and social commentary on gun violence in the U.S. Yeah. So, I mean, do you want to tell us a bit about that for those who haven't seen it? Yeah, so The American Dream is a game about doing everything with guns except shooting at people. And it was inspired by um, sort of a love of guns as people who play a lot of video games. There's a lot of guns in video games, right? So you sort of develop this sort of fascination with guns as sort of a mechanical entity and as a part of gameplay, like it's kind of a running joke that like if a game design isn't really working, we just put a gun in it and then it's fun because um, (laughs) guns are a very immediate mechanical satisfying thing in games and then uh trying to deconstruct that and find out like what why is that the case like why why are we so fascinated with these things and then spending a lot of time in the u.s as an australian you start to also think about like uh the fact that there is a threat to your life just being there that you don't have in australia Mm. um and you i went to texas and we were kind of freaked out by that as well because they have open carry and eventually um where you were talking about pictures of like, yeah, what hap- what does the guy from Call of Duty do when he gets home? Uh, the game and the game eventually <laughs> developed into this this strange Willy Wonka ride where you're taking a trip through 1950s America, doing everything with guns. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and like you said, it's really different. Like it's a narrative heavy, uh, linear story game. And I, I think from memory, because I'm just I remember when I played the American Dream at a PAX like a long yeah. time ago. Um, I feel like it was one of the first kind of VR games that I saw kind of come out of Australia, like, or at least early in the piece, Yeah, yeah, right? we, were, we were definitely early in the VR realm in general. Like, I mean, that game came out in 2018, I believe, um, which was, I, I, people are calling it the winter of VR, which is a great name for it. Because <laughs> um, it was a time when the VR hype had kind of died down already. Um, but yeah, we were one of the first Australian developers doing VR. Yeah. What was yeah. that like? like? You know, in terms of, I guess, like risk taking and thinking, okay, we're going to make risky, a VR game. Sure. Um, you know, you hadn't made a VR game before. Like I can just theorize and imagine the development process being so, so different. Mm. So how was that? Well, yeah, the development is super weird. Um, there's like the physical, the need to have a physical thing on your head while you're testing and you can't just quickly hit play and then stop and then go back. Like you can't iterate as quickly. Um, you have to sort of, uh, take longer, slower, treks through the game uh and then demoing it is really tricky because you have to have this hardware you have to clean it constantly even this before covid we everyone was worried about getting like infections in their eyes so we had to always make sure the booth the the hardware was always really clean uh because it's it's on your face at all times Mm -hmm. um and then there's the design challenge of the player is even more in control than they normally are you can't you can't take away their six degrees of freedom, the like movement and looking part of the game, you just can't take that away because people will instantly get motion sick. Mm. So now you have even less control over the camera and the player's hands and, than you normally do. Um, so you have to sort of work within that bounds. Yeah, right. I guess you would have learned a lot from American Dream uh, in general. Is is 
is that your your one VR game? Like you're like, cool, we've done VR now, or or is like in the future could there be more VR games for Samurai Punk? It's it's Samurai Punk's only VR game that was published by us, but we actually worked on three other VR things. Ah. We, so Table of Tales and the Crook of Crown, we actually did all the tech, we did all the programming and tech on that game. Ah. So we co-developed that with Tim Man Games, another local Australian studio, or there you go. Melbourne studio, I should say. And Table of Tales, of course, won best mm-hmm. AR VR game at the Australian Game Developer Awards yeah, nice. as well. Well deserved. I'm, I'm very proud of the team that worked on that game. Um, I was just, I just helped on the multiplayer a little bit. Nice. But um, I played that. It's a great game. Yeah, it's it's really fun. And that, at the time, that was really different. That was Jumanji meets D and D in VR. Uh, and it was a really, really challenging process. And then we did some contract work as well in 2019. So we did a project for the Eureka Tower. Um, and we also did a project for the City Children's Hospital to do some cancer research work. Oh. Um, so it's the VR work has led us into different territory, but not in the sort of commercial space. Okay. Yeah. But you've like, VR sounds like it's kind of still in your blood, like in your DNA. Yeah. I mean, I play, I use, well, until I hurt my foot, I was using my <laughs> Quest every weekend. Yeah. You know? So it's still a part of my like gaming ecosystem. It's just trying to figure out uh, it's kind of like uh, using when you pick an engine to use for your game. You need to, or you're picking a design. It, the VR has its place, and like it's just a different medium. So if you have a design that's going to fit the VR ecosystem, you should make it VR. And if it's not going to fit it, don't make it VR. Yeah. And that's what we decided coming out of the American Dream. Like that game could never have been flat screen. Sure. Like we asked the player to do some strange things with their body <laughs> that you can't do in a flat screen game, and they wouldn't be as effective. Yeah. Maybe with a connect if that was still kicking. Oh, if only. <laughs> R.I.P. Um, press F. Uh, so, other game as well. I mean, American Dreamer will say it's um, now available on Oculus Quest yes, as well for the launched, first yeah. time. Yeah. So cool. Um, so, yeah, check it out on there as well. But then you've got uh, this other game, Feather, yep. uh, which is, again, totally different. Yep. Um, it's more of like a cozy game uh, mm-hmm. compared to the other ones. Tell us about Feather. Um, so, I was working on Feather during the American Dreams production. We were working on it. We did it as a game jam. It was a game... For anyone who doesn't know, it's a you play as a bird on a big island and you just get to fly around. That's the core pitch. That's all there is. Uh, it's a really uh, tactile and satisfying flight experience. It's not a flight simulator. It's very arcadey, so anyone's worried about that. It's very soft. And then um, the key sort of hook is that it's a beautiful, serene space. There's lots of music. Uh, Mitchell Basman's again on the on the comp- composition there. He did a. There's songs that are hidden throughout the world, so you get to discover those. You get to transform into different birds. And you get to meet other players, so the other birds will join the world with you, and you get to hang out with them and interact with them. Uh, and yeah, it's totally different, like you said. I totally, especially yeah. like you know, there's kind of I can connect like screen sheet and American Dream and Justice sucks. I can kind of connect those in terms of like silly tone in, yeah. in a good way, like yeah. you know, really irreverent and kind of cheeky and yeah. kind of thinking outside the box. But then Feather, to me, like, sits kind of outside of that. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think the main difference is that, like, Feather and Trios as well. So Trios is another puzzle. We did a maths-based puzzle game. Uh, it's really chill. Um, and those are games where they weren't co-creative directed. So American Dream, Screensheet, and Justice Sucks, and Rumbo as well were co-creative directed by me, Winston, me and Winston. And um, Feather and Trios were not. So I, I led Feather, and then Winston led Trios. Um, so I guess they're just, like, slightly more, like, personal expressions. Yeah. yeah, is there if you if you could draw a link to all of Samurai Punk's games, yeah, something things that kind of make it a Samurai Punk experience? Can you? Is there a way of doing that? Like, is there a particular thing yes. or things yep. that you can say? Yeah, this is us. We have started to use the phrase like if other developers tend to make Kit Kats, like you know everyone makes Kit Kats in video games. We make the soy sauce flavored Kit Kat. <laughs> right, you know, like uh, we we do try to push boundaries and limits. Um, in a, in a positive way, always. Yeah. And we're trying to sort of see what we can do with the medium and try different things. 
Um, you know, there might be a time when we find a groove and we like stick in that. You know, we might just make first-person shooters or we might just make um, strange stealth action games where he plays a robot vacuum cleaner for the rest yep. of our lives. But um, for now, like we're so young as a team and as a studio, uh, we're still just trying to find our feet, you know? Yeah. So you'd say like, I guess taking that analogy, so like kind of like weird riffs on the original sort of thing or like weird riffs on what you expect? Yes, yeah. Definitely um, surprising is another word I would yeah. try to, I think. Like we're trying to really... Um, when someone laugh, like we tell them a pitch for our games and they just sort of like their eyes light up, I think that's a good sign for us. Yeah, definitely. Ah, so cool. And I guess with that in mind, I know um, you just released Justice Sucks pretty recently. Yep. Um, can you talk about what's next for Samurai Punk? Like, is there, are there ideas in the pipeline? Has there been other things bubbling under the surface or other projects that people have been thinking about to get stuck into? What's yeah. next? So we're, we've got an update coming up for Justice Sucks. Uh, we're doing some new stuff for that. I can't really talk about what's in that because I don't have talked to my publisher about what we can talk about yet yep. <laughs> um and then for the next game like we are going to make another game i don't know what it is yet we're still figuring that out um honestly i think we're looking forward to going back to that creative space and um exploring new ideas that's that's really exciting hopefully we'll be able to share some of that publicly um we often do a thing called corporate jam which is a uh, ironically named because it's a game jam that runs through the work week and we just do regular work hours instead of a regular game jam where you just crunch constantly. Sure. So uh, we, we usually uh, stream or publish content from that and put out, gam, put out games on itch when we're done. So we would like to do another one of those this year if we can um, and just do more game jams. We have a game jam background. We do a lot of those. Um, so have, have some fun, you know. Yeah, Justice nice. Sucks was a really fun game, but it was a pretty grueling production. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I guess um, if there were any games, because I mean, it seems like you do bounce between different um, projects and ideas, and it's really you know comes through the different games that you've released. But do you think any of the games that you have released that have been successful that you think would be like best suited to like a sequel? Oh. Like, is that something that you've considered, or even just a personal take without giving away behind the scenes stuff? <laughs> any of the games that you've made, you think, yeah, I, there could definitely be a cool opportunity for a sequel or like a universe around this game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Justice Sucks itself is a sequel, technically. Sure. Uh, that was really resolving the problem of the first game just being sort of not finished. Yeah. Well, it was a prototype, really. Um, and then I think we could do a sequel to Justice Sucks. I just don't think we could do it right now because we're so we just did it you know we're, we're so in it yeah um personally i would do a feather sequel i don't know what it would look like besides just um more beautiful and more calm like it's just more of that but um exec- at a higher level of execution and try to reach a bigger audience because it was a niche game it was made very cheap but um it didn't reach as big audience as i would like because of you know there's such a push for what's cozy games and feather sort of serves a specific audience really well um, we have a really hardcore fan base for that game, um, but it wouldn't be about innovating on the gameplay besides smoothing things out. It would just really be about like um, giving people a place to rest. Yeah, nice. And I think, um, funnily enough, we had a question um, at our Checkpoint Live panel over the weekend yeah. um, at PAX that was, if you could make a game that was like an Australian Smash Brothers, what characters would be from <laughs> Australian games would be in Smash Brothers? And I think that Dusty would do pretty well. Oh yeah, Dusty, he's got the two forms. Yeah. You know, he's got like, you could have him transform into sexy to use his like powerful abilities <laughs> and he like zips around and moves really quickly when he's uh, dusty. I think that'd be excellent. So yeah. good. Um, yeah. So we can try and pitch that maybe, get it off the ground. Yeah. That could work. Yeah. Um, I need to figure out a way to also transform into sexy. That sounds like a good ability to have. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk more about PAX right here on Checkpoint on Joy. Connect with Checkpoint on your social media platform of choice to get updates on the gaming industry, join in on amazing competitions, and see the latest reviews and features from the Checkpoint crew. Hit us up on Facebook, Checkpoint Gaming, or find us on Twitter or Instagram at CheckpointAU. 
Yes, you are here on Checkpoint on Joy, uh, here with Luke, Lisa Colby, and special guest Nick from Samurai Punk. And look, it was the first PAX after three whole years. Super exciting to be all back together. To me, it felt like a big family reunion for a lot of really cool friends and family that I hadn't seen for a very, very long time. Um, Lisa, how was your PAX experience? Like, do you think, um, how was the show floor? How was the vibes? Um... I was going to say, oh, yeah, it was all right. No, no, no. <laughs> um, no it was it, the absolute opposite of that because um, I'd been to one PAX before and this was my first as media and the first hanging out with my Checkpoint family. So it was it was really awesome for a lot of reasons, like that I did get to you know talk to the devs and, and try games and then talk to you guys about them. Like when I went a couple of years ago, uh, 2019 was the last PAX, I didn't really have any gamer friends, so I was just kind of like wandering around by myself, um, which was fine, but it's a completely different experience, and especially when you're hanging out with people that write about games as well and, and you know, critique them and talk about them kind of in a more deep, on a deeper level. Um, it's, yeah, it was it was really great for so many reasons. Yeah. Colby, yeah. how about you? How was your paxing this year? You know what a highlight for me was, was meeting all of the amazing people that came to see us at the Checkpoint booth mm. um, all throughout the week. And it was just so cool um, having a chat to, you know, people that were fans of the show. And I hopefully think that we've um, found some new fans as well in so, yeah. supporting Checkpoint. Um, that was that was fantastic. It was so much fun being up there talking to everyone. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, PAX in general, like, I think it was really great. Uh, there was a lot of... Um, a lot of talk online uh, from people who had attended who were saying, like, they were disappointed with the lack of AAA games, you know? They were like, oh, where's Nintendo? Where's PlayStation? Where's Xbox, Ubisoft, Activision, you know, Bethesda? They didn't show up kind of thing. Um, but from my perspective, like, PAX is not just about that. Like, yeah, it's kind of cool to play, like, a God of War a month before it comes out, like, sure. But, I mean, you line up for hours to do that at PAX, and the game comes out soon anyway. Like, I feel like... By not having those triple A's there, it kind of made the vibe feel a lot more like community driven. There was a lot more attention and focus on the indie games, which I thought was really great. Almost like the lack of triple A's kind of worked to, to their advantage to get some more eyes on these smaller projects. But um, what did you think? Did you feel like you were lacking in triple A titles at PAX this year? I mean, Colby Lee, you've gone to PAX before where they had all these big games. Mm. Did it make a difference to your experience? Well, like you were saying before, the the things with some of those big games, the wait time's just so long anyway. Like I remember waiting two hours to play the Resident Evil 2 remake. Um, yeah. So a highlight for me has always been the, um, you know, the, I can't even remember the name of it now, but the indie area, the emerging, uh, PAX Rising, Rising yeah. um, has always been a highlight for me anyway. So it was just great to get back in amongst that crowd. Yeah, I think it would have been more of a tragedy if they didn't have PAX Rising and they had all these AAA games, yeah. to be honest. Like, I think the great thing... That was called about, the EB Games Expo. <laughs> right. Yeah, I heard someone I've, I've heard someone talk about that the other day and I was like, EB Game Expo? It was in the Gold like, Coast in Sydney. Like I, had to, I had to, like, Google it. I had no idea idea what it was yeah um yeah it's, it's um, not around anymore it's so no um it's so great to you know actually see the faces behind the games and ask them questions about like you know and and hear how passionate the developers are about those games and kind of they always they always tell you something that you're like oh cool okay i didn't realize that about about your game because you're actually talking to them like it's and they're just, getting that real-time feedback as well exactly you know, so many yeah, of their yeah, games yeah. Yeah. i'm sure nick you've been in that position before yourself like this time justice sucks was finished and, and released yeah. so you were just kind of showing it off but in the past pax is like 
a great chance for you to like get real time feedback from people, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, it's like both a morale boost because you get to see people enjoying things that you're like, oh, I'm not sure if this is any good, and then people play it and like smile, and you're like, oh, thank god, <laughs> you know, like you're, you're just it's after a long development, you know, it's really it, it's really a necessary part of the process for us. Um, and then when you're younger, like when we first started, like PAX 2015 was the first one ever. PAX Oz, we did 2014 America, um, but it was like such a wonderful experience to be part of the community and feel welcome um both from the fans and the developers um and for them to be so excited um to play your game um it was a real a real confidence boost uh and, and yeah totally the playtesting feedback is invaluable as well just like getting just getting hands-on early and getting to really see what's frustrating for people what they like what they don't like um without that i don't think any games would be in they wouldn't would be as good as they are yeah. you know there are the, the games that do a lot of shows tend to sort of come out a little bit a little bit smoother you know nice yeah that makes a lot of sense want to catch up on old checkpoint broadcasts or simply listen to us on the go find our range of podcasts available on itunes spotify or wherever else you get your audio content simply search for checkpoint on joy and download new episodes every tuesday and thursday Yes, there's so many great podcasts here. Uh, if you're listening via the Community Radio Network right now, you're only getting half the show. We actually record two hours every Saturday from 2pm to 4pm on Joy 94.9, and we podcast both hours of the show as separate episodes along with additional interviews, including like the one we just heard from Elliot uh, with publishing head of Devolver Digital, Graham Struthers. So yeah, subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to good podcasts to get the full story. You are here on Checkpoint on Joy with Luke, Lisa, Colby, and special guest Nick from Samurai Punk, talking all things PAX, talking all things Melbourne International Games Week. I guess I wanted to just kind of have a bit of a chat about PAX, and, you know, did we have any sort of standouts on the PAX show floor, any games that we played? Um, Nick, I know you didn't have time to really go around and do a whole lot at PAX. Um, But yeah, Lisa, Colby, what was your... And you can't say Sonic, Colby. (laughs) You can't, well, you already talked he about was Sonic. waiting. He was now. Now that they're like best mates, he, I'll know, call out like, something else. Pick something else. Pick something I else. I spent some time um, playing. Um, oh, I had it in my head just before um, Mars First Logistics. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I hit it over to that booth and had a go of that. Really interesting game. Actually, it's sort of like a Lego inspired cargo transport sort of puzzle game. Um, really great, a really great visual style, actually. It's sort of really simple, but it really, really works. And also, um, driving around the rover, you get a little Mars rover, um, that was fantastic as well. Um, it's definitely a bit, it, there's a bit more thinking to it than you'd expect, um, cause you can fully deconstruct that rover and you've got to sort of like build it and modify it for the specific sort of cargo task you're trying to do. Um, I wasn't the only one at the booth that got stuck trying to um, get a, um, oh, what do you call it, a crate. I saw the person next to me also attempting, basically just pushing it along um, the Mars um, surface rather than figuring out how to pick it up. Um, but I thought it was cool. Cool. Lisa? And the demo is free and you can play it now. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. Oh. I love that. The fact there was a few there that were packs that it was huge cues to play, but... Actually, there's a demo on Steam, yeah. so I'm super grateful because now I can go back and like play the games I missed out on during packs, like Dredge, for example, mm-hmm. which is one that was always so busy. It's like a, um, it's a fishing game, but set in like a um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Lovecraftian. Lovecraftian. Yeah. Thank you. I was yeah. like Cthulian. 
Lovecraftian um, settings, like a horror style fishing game. So, but that's that's on Steam as well. But yeah, Lisa, no, what was your sort of highlights or some of them? Oh, I've got so many. Um, I oh, dark web streamer. Yes. <laughs> I'm so keen on that game. I'm so keen. And it's interesting because I'm not into horror, but there were like horror elements to it. But there was a Tell lot. Tell us about going, it though. There's a lot going on. So pretty much you, um, so it's like a, it's a text-based game um, and it's set in the 90s if streaming was big in the 90s. But it's also set in a world where like ghosts and, and mystical um, beings exist. So it's the 90s. It's the 90s, yeah, exactly, Pure. yeah. But, um, yeah, so there's this – you're a streamer and there's a lot going on. Well, I love that um, you, know, you play as a streamer and you've yeah. got like, your stream going yeah. and there's all the comments appearing down yes. the side of people yes. that are watching you and then yep. they'll be like, what was that behind you? Something just moved and stuff like that. And you're like, what? And then they'll be like, oh, there's a, some a streamer like in the demo that I played. I loved it as well. Like mm. um, a streamer like sends you a gift. Yes. And then like, it's at your front door and then you go and you – you got to open it, and of course it's all text-based, but like the screen kind of jitters and changes and has like static, and yeah. then words come across the screen, and it's like there's something in the box. Oh, it's moving. What is it? Like things like that, and the music is so like, like really yeah. techno dark. It, it really, really sets that creepy, like you know, kind of getting you on the edge of your seat. Um, yeah, vibes. I I really liked it, and there's a lot going on. Like you can look up stuff on the internet and like you can apparently like we were talking to um to the developer and and they were saying that yeah there's the whole other new elements that they want to put in like um like spells and and things like that as well so yeah even that little yeah. booth had like little like candles and like oh, the, the stick sort of Blair Witch style stick yeah, yeah, figures yeah. hanging and, the, and stuff and a like doll, that because in the in oh. the game it's all about you streaming with this like possessed doll so yeah yeah. It's a cool vibe. I'm really, really keen is. on that one. Me too. Um, another one I played that I really like the look of and how it's coming along, it's called Hollow Hero. I knew um, you were going to shout this one out. I mean, I was talking about it all weekend because, I mean, so good. essentially, and they call it you play as a combat wombat. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're this, like, really, it's a gorgeous game. Like, it's a stunning sort of visual game where you're playing as, like, the developer I spoke with um, from the team there kind of said it was, like, a modern Banjo-Kazooie. Mm. <laughs> um, you kind of, like, got this beautiful, realistic looking world with all this beautiful forestry and flowers and things and you're sort of jumping around there's like platforming and there's like puzzles and you can um like throw rocks at enemies and stuff like that the actual wombat is voiced um by this really great australian female voice Mm. actor that sounds really lovely and um sounds like she's gonna have a lot of really nice characterization as well um they've got a kickstarter that's almost over and and they're not going to make target unfortunately by the look of it but they um are seeking funding at the moment and i hope they get it because it looks really really cool and um all the team that i spoke to there um seem super passionate about this mm. game so your yeah, hollow hero is one to keep an eye out for in the coming years i would say as well um i also played one called schrodinger's cat burglar that was pretty oh, cute so cute yeah i mean like you know um they must have been pissed when stray came out but no it's you play as a cat but it's like a cat puzzle game um and it has this cool thing where you can have this 
second cat that kind of appears as this theoretical cat next to you. And the theoretical cat can go places that the regular cat can't go. And you can switch between the two cats to solve puzzles. So it's kind of this way of like interacting with different switches and rooms and accessing things. You know, security cameras have to see the real cat to open the door, but the theoretical cat can kind of move between walls and find secrets and stuff like that as well. So that seemed really cool. I'm kind of curious to check out the fully fleshed out experience when that releases as well. I might call out another one real Go for quick it. if that's yeah, all right. Absolutely. Um, Forest Grove. So Lisa and I checked out the Blowfish um, mm. booth while there while we were there as well. For some reason, I'd I'd, ex- I'd expected it to be sort of like a sort of like indie two D platformer set in a forest. Um, but it actually turns out it's a first-person sci-fi investigation <laughs> oh. sort of sort of game. Close, um, yeah. So I was real <laughs> close when I booted it up, um, and and it's re- and it's actually really interesting. So you're playing like I can't remember the name of it, but you're like a um, like a detective, but you use like a virtual space to investigate the crime scene. So it's about this missing teenager who just happens to be the heiress to a um, tech empire because mm. his dad's just her dad's just died. Um, and she, and she's disappeared. So you're like going through the house, finding clues, solving puzzles, um, you know, finding fragments of conversations and things like that, trying to fill in the story to try and figure out what happened to the character. And I will say that some of the puzzles are really cool as well. Like I like the, when they're really intuitive. So for example, like trying to figure out the, the, um, code to open a safe, it's not as simple as just, oh, you find the piece of paper in the other room that has the code into it. You can, you got to sort of think about it and sort of figure out, you know, what would this character have set this for? Mm. It's like, I know it's got four digits, you know, well, what do I think this character would have done? And, and I was, you know, you're always sort of proud of yourself when you solve it with your mind. You know what I mean? And then <laughs> you like, get it, right? I'm so smart. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it was done by like a two person team, I think. Like, they must have had more people helping them. Um, you know, based out of Seattle, I think they are. So, you know, and it looks really good as well. So I rate that one. Nice. I want to also um, quickly shout out Tempopo. Um, this is from Witchbeam, who are the developers of Unpacking, which, uh, of course, won many awards uh, and was a fantastically uh, Australian-made game out of this Brisbane developer. Um, Tempopo is this cute little puzzle game that kind of reminded me of, like, Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker. So you've got, like, this little kind of maps that are puzzles and you have to get your little Tempopo character from one end to the other but there's like obstacles in the way so you have to place certain items on the set path that the little character runs across so they can like knock down walls or climb things and not fall off the edge basically it seems like a super cute idea um i was enjoying playing the puzzles and also seeing others trying to solve them and of course like any good puzzle game it starts off really simple with the concepts but then like progressively gets very very difficult as it goes on to the point where some of the later puzzles looked insane and even um one of the one of the devs there was saying to us like they put it in there as a bit of a doozy at the end to see if anyone would actually get through it because it was quite complicated so yeah tempopo um also has just that great um cutesy art style with a really cute song that plays as the tempopo bounces along on the map so yeah from a really talented developer really curious to see how that one goes but also i did check out some of the games in the tabletop area as well that were part of the pax indie showcase this year um one that stood out to me in particular i'm really excited about it's called aethermon tower of darkness uh it's it's a board game that's kind of like taking the idea of monster collecting like pokemon and then 
making it into a co-op roguelike board game experience. Mm. So you can play it with friends. You've got your monster that's like your best friend and you're like going through these maps and coordinating with your team of friends to try and beat big bosses and stuff like that. And the actual style of the pieces that they're going to make are really colourful, really beautiful, kind of like these little plastic miniatures of these pocket monsters. So there were some cool games in the tabletop area. In fact, the tabletop area at PAX was absolutely packed. It's always buzzing. It's always buzzing. It felt bigger than ever this year. Mm. I love that people just pay for a PAX ticket and bring their own board games (laughs) and play them for three days. Like, it's so cool. It's got such a nice vibe. It's it's like... People of all ages as well. Yeah. Yeah. Super wholesome. Super Mm. wholesome. So, yeah, look, overall, PAX was just a really wonderful... Any other shout-outs from games at PAX or even, like, things that you've checked out since? Um, I... Well, I need to shout-out a Halloween Valentine. Oh, of course. Jacoplini. Um, yeah, it was it was super cute. I love how it's a queer romance and there's puzzle elements, but he's kind of connected puzzle elements with rhythm, like rhythm mechanics as well. So, um, yeah, Luke and Elliot watched me play that and um, they had a good time <laughs> laughing at me. I helped you. <laughs> I was helping you. You were struggling a bit. No, but, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was really cute and, and I'm really excited because it means new monster monster mansion music so yeah yeah well that's a great thing uh with jacob monster mansion um mm. and things for humans in general their yes. games they really incorporate music into the games mm. in a really cool and kind of way such great poppy delightful music as well yes Love it. and of course a quick shout out it was obviously so fun doing our checkpoint live panel mm-hmm. on packs on sunday uh, so thank you to those who attended that it was a really good time and great to see so many checkpoint fans in the crowd um but look that's pretty much all the time we have to talk about packs this week Special thank you again to Nick McDonald from Samurai Punk. That's all right. It was great to be here. It was a really fun show. Yeah. And look, I mean, tell us again, um, how do we find Samurai Punk's games, Samurai Punk's merch, for people that are listening? Yeah. So, I mean, you can just go to samuraipunk.com or samuraipunk.store to check out the games in the apparel. Uh, if you can find our games on like Screensheet, Justice Sucks, Feather, The American Dream, or basically anything, because uh, we release everything on PC and console and we put it on every console. I don't think any of our games are exclusive to one platform. Um, so yeah, go check them out. Awesome. Especially Justice Sucks, yes, which just came out. Um, definitely worth checking out. You know, it, it released the day the Queen died. So you got you got to buy it now. <laughs> like, pull one out for Lizzie. That's right. Pull, yeah. pull it out for Lizzie. Um, again, Nick, thank you so much. That's all right. It was great um, to be here. Lisa, thank you so much. Oh, it's a pleasure, Luke. Colby, thank you so thank much. You, Luke. We're going to be back next week with more gaming goodness. I think there's more PAX and Melbourne games we have to talk about next week. So um, Elliot, our fearless um, co-host, <laughs> will be back hopefully in action. And we can't wait to talk more about this wonderful industry that we love so much. Keep listening to Joy and the Community Radio Network for more amazing radio goodness. We'll catch you next week. Bye. You've been listening to a Joycast of Checkpoint on Joy 94.9. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes and Stitcher. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.